Hey there, you're listening to the Aligned Women Podcast, the original podcast for women in chiropractic. If doing all the things you were told to do to grow your practice have left you overwhelmed and exhausted, you're in the right place. I'm Dr. Danielle Eaton, the founder of Aligned Women. We help women in chiropractic who are just like you to grow profitable practices without sacrificing being present with your family. If you're done with spinal screenings and health fears, want more time freedom, more money in your bank account, and a practice that you love without sacrificing your health, be sure to grab the Aligned Chiropractors Survival Guide at AlignedChiroSurvivalGuide.com. Now, sit back, take a deep breath, and enjoy today's episode. Well, hey there, and welcome to a new episode of the Aligned Women Podcast. I'm going to share some things that I've been up to so that you have a little bit of backstory on what we're talking about today, we're going to talk about if you should talk about politics in your office. Oh gosh, when I say that out loud, I'm like, oh my gosh, this feels so controversial. And really, you know, I'm like, I don't want to say I'm a middle of the road kind of person. That sounds so apathetic, but I just feel like this whole system of like one side versus other side is a really, really broken system that I don't want to participate in. (laughs) But then that's a part of what we'll talk about today too. Okay, so let me get on track. Today's episode is about if you should talk about politics in your office. The last few weeks, most of August actually, I've been working with a group of people locally who petitioned our city council to not pass a mask mandate. Now, let me just tell you, (laughs) there's so many facets to this for me. For chiropractors, for example, you've pretty much got to wear a mask to be able to practice and see your patients, which I'm not doing like most chiropractors are doing right now. And there's this like rebel side of me that thinks, you know, like, I don't care how big my practice was or how many patients I was seeing, I would not be wearing a mask. (laughs) And then I'm like, well, you know, if I were actually in that situation, yeah, the circumstances might actually have me having a different opinion. The reason that I participated in this group's efforts to not have our city council pass a mask mandate was because I don't want the government to tell me what to do. And then there's also, you know, some personal aspects to this too, I guess. Like I put on a mask and I feel like I can't breathe and I start to feel very anxious and like I'm being suffocated And I know that for some people, that sounds really dramatic, but if you haven't experienced that, well, I mean, thank goodness you don't. But if you haven't experienced it, then you can't really relate to the experience and what that feels like. It feels like I'm literally being suffocated when I put on a mask and it's scary. So I just take it off. But then when I take it off, I'm like, oh gosh, I'm supposed to be wearing this thing. Honestly, I've only worn one three times since this pandemic started. Okay, so then there's also the factor that my husband has worked in a lab setting. Oh gosh, not currently, but for, well, in some way, yes, but not exactly. But for 12 years or more than 12 years, he worked in a lab. He was the environmental health and safety coordinator at the company that he worked at. And it was a mining company. They mined silica sand. Silica sand can be made in very, very, very small grain sizes, Their smallest, I think their smallest grain size was the equivalent to a red blood cell, which is like five micron. It's not visible to the naked eye, right? 
I mean, you know how small a red blood cell is. Imagine that one grain of sand is that fine, that small. Well, because the particle sizes that they were manufacturing were so small, the employees had to be fit tested for respirators, not just these you know, cloth face coverings or whatnot, but respirators that they had to wear. They had to store the respirators in certain ways, clean them in certain ways. They had to be fit tested by a doctor. They had to be clean shaven to wear their respirator. And if those things were not met, then the employee that was supposed to be wearing the respirator to do the job that they were supposed to be doing couldn't do the job. And in some cases had to go home. So these policies and these procedures, to the best of my knowledge, were created by OSHA. And I'm assuming as well, I haven't researched this in great detail, that OSHA created these policies and regulations based upon science. That makes sense, right? But where did that science go that demonstrated that employees who are exposed to these particle sizes, which are like still five times larger than a virus, need to be wearing respirators and they need to have these respirators cleaned a certain way, stored a certain way, they need to be clean shaven, they need to be fit tested, et cetera. So can you see where I'm going with this? Like I've got my husband in my ear with this stuff, you know, of like, what are these masks really going to do to protect you from something that's even smaller? Now, I know there's like different opinions on this. I don't feel like the science is settled. I'm just sharing this with you so that you know where my perspective comes from. And I'm not even attempting at all to change your mind if you think like mask. Yes, we all need to be wearing them. If you feel safe wearing one, great. I don't feel safe wearing one. In fact, I feel unsafe wearing one and I feel unsafe putting them on my children. All right. I don't want to debate about whether or not, you know, masks are safe and effective, <laughs> but I just want to share that with you so that you know where I'm coming from. And that's really all. So anyway, I've been working with this group of people locally. We just kind of all came together organically, really, to say, you know, we don't want the government to decide this for us. We want to retain the freedom to choose for ourselves. And if we let any body of government start making these kinds of decisions and mandates for us, what happens next? How much more will they decide we have to do? What will be the next thing they decide we have to do or can't do, right? Either, either way. So the experience has been, honestly, has been quite amazing. I, I have really learned to who I'm aligned with here in our local area, who thinks like I do, who has the same values that I do, friendships that were just kind of like, you know, loose friendships before are now like we're bonded, we're strong. And in case you're wondering what happened specifically, when the city council, this is Washington, Missouri, a city council, when the city council held their special meeting to vote on whether or not to pass a mask mandate for the city, the council was tied for yeses, for noes in their vote. So that meant the mayor had to vote to be the tiebreaker and she voted no. And we were pretty surprised. I think everyone expected her to vote yes for the mask mandate. So it felt like a victory. To me, this wasn't just about persuading city council members or the mayor to vote one way or another way, even though we presented for over two hours, we meaning like we, the people, we presented for over two hours. Some people presented information in favor of a mask mandate. I don't know the exact number, but I would say the majority of people that presented presented information not in favor of a mask mandate. So 
Yeah, that's what I've been up to for the last few weeks. <laughs> it's been pretty, pretty consuming, to be honest, but I've also let it be consuming. I, I just felt like this is not okay. This is a line in the sand for me. Wearing a mask or not wearing a mask is probably not a hill that I'm going to die on. Again, the primary premise here, if you will, for me was I don't want the government telling me what I can and cannot do any more than what they already do. And I was very, am still very concerned about if we give an inch, do they take a mile? So this had me really thinking about who I am. It has had me really thinking about what I believe. It's had me really thinking about how I, even as someone who's, who is accustomed to doing this, how I have felt um, times afraid to say what I really think, especially in the online space. There have been lots of times that I've thought like, hmm, I have a really strong opinion about this or a really strong opinion about that. And man, I want to shout it from the rooftops, but I don't (laughs) because, because of that fear of what other people will think. So it's what made me decide to do this episode for you today, talking about whether or not we should talk about politics and our practices. And I know most other chiropractors that I talk to, what they say is that they don't want to participate in politics. They want to avoid politics. But actually, you can't avoid politics. You can't not participate. You're, you're a licensed professional. Your license is political. Politics are in everything else that you do too. They're in food, water, the environment, medical freedom, education, debt, public works, criminal justice, the list could go on and on. So while I hear you, and I, when I hear you say that you want to avoid politics, I also tend to want to avoid controversy. You really can't. You've already chosen to participate in politics. The fact that you have a license is because of politics, because there were political things that happened, bureaucratic things that happened that created the need or I don't know if it's necessarily a need, but like the necessity for you to have a license in the first place was created by politicians. Furthermore, if you want to be able to continue to have the right to practice and to have as much freedom in practice as you want to have, that's also political. You can't avoid politics if you want to maintain freedom in how you practice And if you want to be able to, let's say, for example, diagnose conditions, you've got to be in in politics. You've got to be in it. Listen, I'm not saying that I think it's great (laughs) to be political or to be involved in politics. I'm just offering you a different perspective here than maybe what you've thought about before. Well, if you can't avoid politics, then what? If you have to participate in some form or fashion, then what? I think first things first, you've got to know what you stand for. I can tell you what I stand for. I'm, I'm pretty clear on this. I stand for freedom for all people. I stand for ending human trafficking. I stand, stand for promoting inclusivity and diversity within the chiropractic profession. I stand for ending the normalization of overwhelm and chronic overfunctioning and healing from caregiver burnout. I stand for transcending the fear of being who you really are and showing up authentically and transparently in the world. That's what I stand for. (laughs) What do you stand for? Do you know? Are you really clear on it? 
I think a lot of people in the world right now are not clear on what they stand for. They might feel like they have been told what they should stand for, and they're afraid that if they do stand for other things, that they'll be exiled or hanged or just simply outcasted, canceled, maybe even. There's a fly that keeps <laughs> buzzing around my face. So if you hear my bracelets clinking together, it's because I'm waving this annoying bug away. Leave me alone, bug. I want to remind you too that this fear of putting yourself out there, of saying what you really think, of being transparent with everyone, not just like with the safe people, but with everyone. At the root cause of that is avoidance. Not just avoidance of politics, but also of giving clear and direct recommendations to patients or clients in your practice instead of having the patient's expectations unmet. You might also be avoiding meeting challenges with your office staff or your virtual team members head on. You might also be avoiding dealing with your own personal health issues because at the root is avoidance as a trait in how you are being. But you can change that. It will just take conscious work. What I'm saying here, if this is not clear, is that if you're avoiding politics and you're avoiding saying what you think because you want to avoid controversy, you want to avoid conflict, you're also avoiding other things. You're avoiding being direct with people. You're avoiding setting clear boundaries for yourself. You're avoiding having hard conversations. But because you're avoiding those things, you're actually making your life harder and maybe even other people's lives harder in the long term. Whereas if you did the hard thing, the thing that's hard right now, the long term would actually be better or easier. The last thing that I want to leave you with is a note about money. Never ever need the money more than you need to be true to yourself. Do you hear what I'm saying here? If you've heard me talk about the traditional model of success in chiropractic and in other hands-on healing professions, like with Dr. Ashley Abs, we talked about it two episodes ago. She's an acupuncturist. Interestingly, the traditional model of success in acupuncture is a whole lot like the traditional model of success in chiropractic. And I was surprised to learn that. Anyway, you've heard me talk about it a ton, right? That traditional model of building a successful practice, the operating expenses are often very high. And when you've put yourself in that kind of position, there's a lot of pressure and overwhelm on you as a practice owner to be making enough money to meet the expenses. And there's very little freedom. There's very little margin. You don't have as much freedom to work the hours you truly want to or to give the care recommendations that you truly want to because you need the money and you're putting the money first. Yes, the purpose of a business is to make money, but you cannot put the money before your core values and for what you stand for. So that's where, you know, as I shared with you, what I stand for comes into play. If you don't know what you stand for, then it's really easy to find yourself in a place where you've put money before what you stand for. Because all around you, all the time, there are people telling you, you need to make more money, you need to work harder, you need to do the things that will help you make more money, so they think, not realizing that they're coming from their own limiting beliefs, their own limited perspective. And you find yourself in this place of restriction, constriction, contraction, because you are now 
the word that's coming to me, I'm like, don't say that. That's that you can't say that. The word that's coming to me is enslaved. You're now enslaved to the money, which is the opposite of freedom. I always use my core values to guide me when making decisions and deciding what I stand for. My core values are freedom and love. How simple and how beautiful. And saying them right now brings tears to my eyes like a big cheese ball. But when I started changing my life, what, five years ago or so, six years ago, I I really identified those core values and everything in my life has gotten easier and better since then because I keep those core values at the front of my mind as often as possible. Does this give me more freedom or less freedom? Does this feel like freedom? Or does this feel like the opposite of freedom? Does this elevate love in my family? Does this make me feel more loved? Does this elevate love in the world? Or does it do the opposite? And I even think about these when I'm posting on social media. Does this help someone else out there feel more love? Does this give someone else out there a stronger sense of freedom? And if not, then I think really hard, (laughs) really ask myself, do I really need to post this? Who will this help? What's the purpose of this? If it's not, if it's not liberation, if it's not freedom, if it's not elevating love. Okay. Clearly this is not an all encompassing or exhaustive discussion of whether or not you should talk about politics in your practice. This is kind of more so me like just giving you my perspective. There's so much more that could be and needs to be said about this. Of course, I kind of feel like I'm giving you a disclaimer, like a legal disclaimer here. But yes, of course, you should be aware of any regulations or policies in your state statutes, in all states that you're licensed in. You should be aware of any policies or procedures that are recommended from your malpractice insurance company. And you should also be clear about your core values and what you stand for and know what is your North Star, what is guiding you in all of this. And whether or not you choose to say you're a Republican or you're a Democrat or you're a Libertarian or whatever, you're none of it or something different. The Green Party, I guess, is another one. I don't know. The Tea Party. Regardless of if you went to say you align with any political party, you still bring politics to your practice. You do. You can't avoid it. And it's a matter of now making conscious decisions about how you do bring politics to your practice, how you do bring inclusion, diversity, how you bring freedom. Thank you again for joining me for this episode of the Aligned Women Podcast. If you love this show, please share your favorite episode with another woman in chiropractic. Think of your classmates and the woman who practice near you. Is there one who you know is tired, overwhelmed, exhausted, or just burned out? If so, let her know about the Aligned Women Podcast right away. And if you love what you hear on this show and want more insight into Aligned Women's proven method for women in chiropractic on how you can have more time freedom and more financial freedom, how you can build a practice full of the right patients, not just more of them, and how you can feel confident that you're making the impact you were born to make as a chiropractor. Be sure to grab the Aligned Chiropractors Survival Guide at AlignedChiroSurvivalGuide.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.